Well, good morning. I was talking to Pastor Paul, and it was six years ago that I came here, and it feels like yesterday, but I thank God for the, uh, just the ministry here, and I was, I'm very gracious to Pastor Paul. When I came here with Maru, he hadn't heard me preach before he let me preach, and then he gave me a second chance after that. So. <laughs> but I, I want to publicly te- give testimonies I shared with him. God has really impacted my whole ministry because of the faithfulness of this church in many ways. I, a um, uh, number of ways that we have benefited, me as a family, my daughter was quite uh, impacted by being here. She got a chance to really minister to young people. Now she's at a Bible school uh, in Greenville counseling young girls, but she came and had an opportunity to minister in a place that she had never been before and felt right at home. And uh, Cheryl came and uh, proved to Pastor Paul that I did have a wife, <laughs> but it was about four years before Cheryl came down, but she had a great time and, and her and Christy keep in contact. So it's been a joy to be here. And I want to thank you personally for your prayers and your faithful support of my family and I. We've had um, uh, our ministry have changed drastically. I can say that publicly before the Lord and because of your involvement with us. Uh, we just finished a book, Iron Man Christianity, and I can say I stole the men's uh, group name. They were Iron Men. And so I put Christianity on it. So uh, thou should not steal while I stole them, confess. <laughs> No, but, but I have a book called Iron Man Christianity that we're using in, among athletes. But I just, I just thank God for how he, uh, in his own gracious way, lead you and guide you and prove himself faithful to you. So your testimony of God's faithfulness to, to me in ministry and give me a privilege. Uh, when I'm with Ambassadors for Christ, we have ministry around the world, and I'm able to freely go and not give leadership to this ministry, but also minister in various places. Some of you probably uh, hearing me for the first time. I, I played football for a number of years and, uh, with the Atlanta Falcons and Buffalo Bills and the Dallas Cowboy fans could leave. I don't want you to hear this testimony. Just joking. <laughs> uh, Dallas, uh, there's no biblical forgiveness for Dallas. They, uh, <laughs> uh, do you see a Super Bowl ring on my fingers any place? Thank Dallas for that. Every time we went to the playoff, they knocked us out. So uh, I think I'm appropriate to have bitterness toward Dallas. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> uh, but it was in pro football in 1979. I was the Falcon most valuable player. And, and some teammates of mine who were Christians uh, paid my way to go to a conference in Orlando, Florida, right after the uh, 79 season there in 1980, around uh, February after the Pro Bowl. These guys who were Christians, uh, there was only a few teams, no, no team had full-time chaplains, and there were a few teams that had Christians who wanted to use their faith uh, to influence their teammates. And so they started a group called PAO, Pro Athlete Outreach, something like FCA. And, uh, and so every year after the, uh, the season was over, these guys who were Christians would invite their teammates to come to a city, and they'll pay their way for their teammates, and they'll bring speakers in, speakers like uh, Tony uh, Evans, the first time I went there, Tony Evans spoke, and he's talked about the Bible being the playbook of life. There was a guy named Bill Bright spoke at this conference and telling us that God had a plan for our life. And then there was a guy named Larry Buquette talked about the Bible and finance. And a guy named Gary Smalley talked about the Bible and family. And so I'm at this conference, and not a Christian. I only went there because 
they said it was a gift, and being the Falcon Most Valuable Player, I thought, I deserve that gift, so I went there, not, not a Christian. But I heard the gospel, and God began to make me consider my ways. I, at that time in my life, I was, uh, had achieved my dream. I, at that time, I was, uh, had a 13-room house, five bathrooms, two kitchens, had a national commercial, local commercials, and, and uh, worked for a Cadillac company, and they'd give me a new Cadillac every six months or every 12,000 miles. And, uh, and everything was fine. Didn't have a drug problem. Thing was fine from a human standpoint. But had I died in 1979, I would have woke up rich, famous, and in hell because I didn't know the gospel. Thank God for the Tim Tebow's of my day. Steve Barkowski was the Tim Tebow of my day. Steve Largent was the Tim Tebow of my day. Uh, Tony Dungy was the Tim Tebow of my day. Tom Landry was the Tim Tebow of my day. There were guys who were Christians who lived out their faith in practical circumstance, and they weren't maligned by their faith uh, on that. And so I went to this conference because of these teammates didn't go to church during that time, and I heard the gospel. And then I came back to Atlanta and started going to the Bible study with these Falcon players uh, during the offseason, and then a doctor friend of mine gave me a tape by A.W. Tozer, and God convinced me that I was a sinner, convinced me that I couldn't clean up my life, and gave me grace to trust my life to Christ. And what I heard at this conference that began to make me consider Christ in a serious way, I thought I was a Christian. I was born in America, uh, grew up in Louisiana. Uh, I believe Ben Franklin won one. God helped those who helped themselves. I thought that was a Bible verse. Found out later on that wasn't a Bible verse. And uh, uh, I thought I was a Christian. I got baptized when I was seven years old. I had a King James Version Bible. Uh, I wasn't a black Muslim. I wasn't a Jehovah Witness, so I was a Christian. You know, I was a Roman Baptist. I got baptized, and I was trying to work out my soul's salvation. And then everybody said, well, you got sin. I said, well, you know, I have sin. Everybody has skeleton in the closet. And one guy said, it's not skeleton. That's death in the closet. You know, a skeleton is something dead. So if you got a skeleton in your closet, that means you're dead. And so uh, and, 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 and what had happened in my life, when I went to college as a freshman in college, my college professor said that religion was man's way to God. And so we studied the world religion, and I thought I was a Christian uh, because this guy said all religion would end up to God one day. And so when I came to the pros and a guy named like Ahmad Rashad, who had changed his name from Bobby Moore to uh, Ahmad Rashad, and, and they had other guys who were, uh, uh, was changing their name during those times, and uh, I didn't change my name to Wa-La-La. Uh, dad, my dad would have changed my Rien, so I didn't... <laughs> didn't change my name, but I was a Christian. See, I wasn't a black Muslim. I wasn't a Jehovah Witness, and I was a Christian. What else could you be? And so I thought I was a Christian. And then uh, when I went to this conference, at this first uh, night at this conference, this guy said, you can't get to God. Man is a sinner. And because of sin, there's a penalty for sin. The ways of sin is death. Now, at that time in my life, I was 28 years old, at that time in my life, I, was, I began to ask myself the question, what's the purpose of life? Maybe some of you here this morning. I was asking myself, what's the purpose of life? See, because I, I had my dream, uh, had all what I call success from a human standpoint. I'd helped my family out in some ways. But uh, I began to ask myself, what's the purpose of life? Because there was a guy named J.V. Kane who played for the University of Colorado, I think. And he was a first-round draft choice, tight end. Played for the St. Louis Cardinals. And, and JV, if you remember, was walking off the field doing two-a-days, uh, doing preseason, and dropped dead. And I remember being shocked. That morning, we all had come from our practice, and 
Here is in the paper, J.B. Kane died. We all shocked. That same year, the Falcons had two linebackers, Andy Stanley, uh, I mean, Andy uh, Spivey and Gart to Naples were two linebackers, and they had had knee injuries. And uh, so they had been approved to come back to the team, uh, having gone through surgery and everything. They had been approved to come back. And that night, uh, they were driving home, and their Datsun 280Z hit a puddle of water, hydroplane, hit a tree, got to Naples, was paralyzed, neck down, and Andy Spivey went into eternity. And I began to ask myself, what's the purpose of life? You live and you die. And see, I didn't have an answer for death. And, uh, and I began to ask myself what, because growing up in Louisiana, death was a, oh, it was a bad experience to go to. People would go to funerals, and you either get drunk before the funeral or you get drunk after the funeral. Because the issue was nobody wanted, because people yelled and screamed. I mean, death was, oh, I was a kid, and you just didn't want to be around that. You don't talk about death, and you only go to funeral because the person died, and you want, I guess you want the dead person to see that you were there. I don't know what it was, but you had to go to funeral. Funerals and wedding, everybody go to. So, you know, in Louisiana, people may not go to church, but at a funeral, they'll be there. At a wedding, they'll be there. So you can preach the gospel at funerals and wedding. But, uh, but people just cried and yelled. And so I, as a kid, I didn't understand how to deal with that. And here I was facing this thing called death. Another friend of mine uh, played for the New England Patriots, uh, was paralyzed. Uh, Daryl Stinger was paralyzed, catching the ball across the middle, was hit by uh, Tatum and, and was paralyzed. And I remember seeing Daryl, 205 pounds, and here he is sitting now in a wheelchair, and he's about 160 pounds. And so you think about all these things, and, and you begin to consider life. And so at this conference, when I went to this conference there, uh, uh, this, this guy began to tell, Bill Bright said that God had a plan for our life, but God's plan was for us to know him. But he said we had a problem. Man's problem was that he was a sinner, and sin had separated man from God. And because of sin, you'll be paid. The wages of sin is death. In football term, that's a guaranteed contract. You see, when I was growing up, people say sin doesn't pay. Well, this guy says sin does pay. It pays death. Guaranteed. And here's this word death again. And I didn't want to deal with death. But then he says, uh, but God has a gift. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he says that Jesus Christ died for our sin, was buried, rose from the grave, and he is the one that you can get life. But he says people won't come to Jesus because people think they can get to God other ways. Some people think they can get to God through their uh, philosophy, thinking your good go outweigh your bad. And he said, God doesn't grade on the curve. God demands perfection. Well, there go my curve philosophy. And then he said this, some people think you can get to God through your good works. But he said, you can't get to God through your good works. Well, there go my United Way commercial and all my inner city work and all my Scottish Rite Hospital help. And he said, you can't get to God through your good works. All of our righteousness is filthy rags, he says. But then he made this statement. You can't get to God through your religion. Well, that shocked me. He had my attention fully then because my humanities teacher said religion was man's way to God. And he said this, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. And I said, if that's true, I've got to deal with it. Because Amadre Shah didn't believe that. I knew some other people didn't believe that in football. And some people said, Jesus Christ may be good for you, but it may, he may not be good for others. There's other ways. But this guy said, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man come to the Father but by me. And that Jesus died, was buried, rose from the grave. To as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And 
I mean, I was stunned by that. I stayed the rest of the week. Tony Evans talked about the Bible being the playbook of life. You want to learn how to score in life, you better learn God's plays. It's in his book. Larry Baquette talked about the Bible and finance. God wants us to manage our money in a way that will honor him. Gary Smalley talked about the Bible and family. God wants us to live in a certain way until we marry. I was a single person, and he says the Bible says you should live a certain way. And it convicted me that I wasn't living that way. And then he was talking about what, uh, what God says marriage couples. So I saw the Bible had answers. And I came back to Atlanta after a week there. I came back to Atlanta and started going to the Bible study with my teammates. And God convinced me of sin and brought me to a place to consider Christ. And that happened through another tape. A friend of mine, a uh, doctor friend of mine, gave me a tape by A.W. Tozer that convinced me that I was a sinner. And Tozer said, you don't need to accept Jesus. You have to receive him. And what it means to receive Jesus, turn from your way, come God's way, trust your life to Jesus, and to as many as receive him, to them he give the right to become children of God. And I saw in my, uh, by the grace of God that I had never received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I did that, and something happened inside of me. We call it born again, but God changed me within. I had a passion to know this book. I had no problem in believing this book. I wanted to know how to live by this book. And God gave me grace to begin to study the scripture and change my life. I played football for another year. And then with several years left on my contract, a week before the 1982 football season, I walked away from the game and went to Bible school. Everybody said, why? Because God had a high calling for me. He was not only calling me to follow him, he was calling me to learn of him. And I didn't know then, but he was calling me to come into a ministry. And walked away from the game. Now, football wasn't a game to me. It was my life. I loved the game of football. Show you how much I loved it. I remember in 1977, we were playing against the New Orleans Saints. And uh, they're not Saints because they're brutal on the field. But uh, they call them Saints. But anyway, I was catching a ball across the middle. The Falcons, uh, they were Falcons right. But I was catching a ball across the middle. It was a slant route, short third down uh, route. And I was a possession receiver. And I was catching a ball. And, and Steve threw the eight-yard slant. And the ball was high. And I jumped for the pass. And Tom Myers was a free safety. Ernie Jackson was a corner. And they didn't practice Southern hospitality at all. So before I could catch the ball and come down, they hit me. Three broken ribs, a liver, and a kidney, and they thought I had a spleen. I was out on the field, woke up. I was on the stretcher, headed to the hospital, and the doctor said, we're going to have to operate, Wallace, because you possibly have a spleen that's ruptured and you can bleed to death. And I started crying because I said, if you, you operate, I'm not going to be able to play football again. Now, I wasn't a Christian at that time, but in my mind, if I couldn't play football, why live? So they, uh, the doctor said, Dr. Harrison said, we're going to put you in intensive care. We put you on this machine, and if your blood got to a certain level, you have to go in there because you can, it could be a spleen. You can bleed to death. Well, my uh, blood did clot, and, and I was able to not have an operation. That next year, uh, 1978, we were playing against Houston Oilers. I recracked those ribs being hit, and I had to wear a flag jacket. Uh, and so during the week, I couldn't practice. But on, week, uh, on Friday, you start feeling better. On Saturday, you're feeling great. Sunday, you get out there and play. Why? Because... You suck up the pain and go. I said that because that was my life. And when God saved me, Christ became my life. And then everybody said, why did you walk away from the game? There was nothing wrong with the game. But when God saved me, he gave me grace to put down my idol, as I look now, and follow him. Steve Barkowski, who uh, uh, was one of the Christians that influenced me, stayed in pro football. Steve Larger stayed there. June Jones, who was one of the Christians on our team, stayed in football. But God called me out. And I went away, and now I'm in full-time ministry. I say all that to you because the gospel changed lives. 
I thank God for Tim Tebow's <laughs> because I wouldn't have heard football. I wouldn't have heard a message of the gospel at a church because I didn't go to church. But I had some teammates of mine who brought church to me. <laughs> uh, and why? Because the gospel is not just a place where I come here about Christ. The gospel is a message that I take in my body that people can see Christ and hear about Christ. And I came to Christ and, and for some teammates of mine. And some of those guys now, Barkowski is one of the guys who su supported me in nine minutes. And that's why I enjoyed the privilege of speaking to these young athletes to let them know you can come to Christ and have an impact upon your players. And uh, sad that we're in America now that we'd rather uh, a guy kiss a man on TV and, and try to get him in the league than a guy that lived with character on the field. We say he can't play. The only problem with Tim Tebow, he's authentic. He's the real deal. And they can't find a kink in his armor. But give us a boy that kiss another boy and let's try to get him in the league. That's another sermon, I'm sorry. But uh, all I'm saying to you is that God saved me and satisfied my soul. And what a privilege he'd give me to preach the gospel. And the joy I've had is even as I've met Brother Paul and I've met people here that God's saints have the same heartbeat. A love for Christ and a love for others. And a love for the message around the world. I joined Ambassadors for Christ. We have a ministry in Fiji. We have a ministry in Australia, ministry in Ethiopia, um, and in several countries. But there are brothers in, uh, that's around the countries that just want to share this message of Christ. I've had a brother in, in Sudan who... Um, was training some young evangelists. One young evangelist uh, was converted from the Muslim religion and, and he was being trained and he was caught by these Muslims and they put cayenne pepper in his groin to try to get him to recant. And here's what this young evangelist said, I just want Jesus to be pleased with me. Why? Because there it was, they were upset that he was become a Christian and he was leaving this, this, this hated religion on that. But they stand firm. For Christ. Why? Because Christ changed lives and he satisfies soul. So I'm a, I, I, God, as I, for you who never heard my testimony, God didn't save a celebrity, he saved a sinner. And I'm satisfied with Jesus alone. <laughs> he satisfied my heart.